You're listening to Bloomberg Business Week with Carol Masser and Jason Kelly on Bloomberg Radio. I have to dress up and make myself more beautiful because the poor always looks for a star in the dark of the night. All right, that's a clip from a new documentary. It's all about the former First Lady of the Philippines, known now to many for her addiction to uh, excess. This documentary is called The Kingmaker, and it is a interesting, I mean, Jason and I have been talking about it since we've watched um, pieces of it, but I do want to point out, too, that uh, Bloomberg has provided some support, financial support for the film. Lauren Greenfield is director of the film. She's based in Venice Beach, California, made her way uh, to our New York studio. Welcome to Bloomberg. Thank you. So tell us a little bit about this. Well, I began filming in 2014 and never expected the project to take five years. Um, It actually began with a Bloomberg article by a journalist named William Meller about this animal island that I had never heard of. People know Imelda Marcos from The Shoes, but this was the kind of ultimate extravagance. She depopulated an island in the South China Sea of its indigenous population and brought in animals from Africa. And four generations later, they're, they've been inbred, basically, because no new animals. They mm-hmm. have no support, no vets, no... Um, no. The parents were gone, right. Ferdinand and Imelda, that brought them there. So the story began with that, but what happened was Bong Bong, Imelda's son, ran for the vice presidency. And they were, as a family, they were kind of in the political wilderness when I began. No journalist thought they had a chance. But as he began to be to gain steam and became the front runner, the election story really took over the narrative of the film. And so what began as a kind of historical film about this kind of crazy extravagance turned into a present day mm-hmm. political story about the connection between wealth and power and the possibility of rewriting history. Which we've seen repeated, I feel like, around the globe. How timely, right? And what's so amazing about this, and and I've been very fortunate, you know, Lauren and I have gotten to know each other a little bit over the past few years because of the Bloomberg connection. And this is, as you say, such a different film and incredibly timely in so many ways. And even when you just watch the trailer, you think, oh my God, this is, and, and I say this a little bit glibly, but meaningfully, this is 2019. I mean, it's just remarkable. So when did you realize that the story had taken such a sharp turn? Was it around the election or was there some reporting that you did that sort of turn that light on for you? It was really, um, well, the first stage was seeing how they were really trying to come back to power, how Imelda was a congresswoman, which I thought in the beginning was just kind of a respectful thing to do to the former first lady, but gradually realized that it was part of a bigger plan. Many of her kids were in politics. And when she first, when when he, when Bong Bong first decided to run for vice presidency, um, Bill Malore, the Bloomberg reporter, said he doesn't have a chance. Yeah. And that's what people thought. So I think the first real change was when he became the front runner. Yeah. And it looked like he could really take it. As um, they were gaining steam, though, the past started dredging up into the present. People did not, the young people did not remember martial law. They didn't remember the ills of the regime. And the Marcos were really going about rewriting history through... Um, their narrative, which was being kind of repeated in social media. And um, 
as this started to kind of take hold, it became clear that they could effectively come back. Amazing. Lauren, what did you find most revealing in the process? And, in ta- and, and what about your access to the family? I mean, the access, I, I got the original introduction to Mrs. Marcos through William Miller. And she was very open, very candid. That was one of the things that was so appealing um, about her as a character. She, um, for, she was so charismatic. And I think she really liked uh, being on camera and having a chance to tell her story as mm-hmm. she saw it. Um, what I realized, though, and the other turning point for me was she was an unreliable narrator, to say the least. That's kind of an understatement. Yeah. And her view of history and the Marcos's contributions did not align with any historical or journalistic accounts or first-person accounts. So I started bringing in other people into the story, truth-tellers, uh, whether they were survivors of martial law right. or like Andy Bautista who was head of the commission that was going after the ill-gotten wealth and then became head of the elections and these and, and even the president uh, Noi Noi Aquino and these people kind of gave relief or or yeah. a check to the stories that the Marcos were telling and I think in the movie you gradually see what the truth that is. That contrast right between what their perception or her perception was and then what was going on in reality I thought was just told so well in the film. And I think the surprising thing is in the past people have just kind of mocked Mrs. Marcos yeah. like right. she's delusional or she's in her own world or you know laughed at her laughable but what you see in this film mm-hmm. is that she was able to really persuade a big part of the electorate of her point of view and that she i mean she's the only one laughing now right. as they're back to power which is a little bit like how people didn't take trump seriously yep. in the beginning yeah there are some echoes for sure uh we'd be remiss if we didn't help folks understand where this fits into sort of your filmography because people know you from generation wealth especially queen of versailles i mean you have undertaken now for quite some time an examination of wealth and power. How does this fit into sort of the rest of your uh, catalog as it I were? I mean, in some ways it's grown out of my past work, out of Generation Wealth, but in other ways it's really a departure for me. I think she was always, Imelda Marcos was always an iconic reference in yeah. my work on wealth, this, the shoes and this kind of materialism. And, yeah. and when I first started, the Animal Island was like a kind of the ultimate extravagance. An emblem of sorts, yeah. And I was interested in inequality. I was interested in the consequences of wealth, intended and unintended. But I had never done a political story before. And that was really a departure for me. Um, I really kind of got interested in the connection between power and wealth. And there was a kind of a follow the money story in this where we see how the money allowed that, that was not repatriated to the Philippines, allowed them to come back in a place where there is corruption, you can buy votes, and you can buy influence, right. and you can use it to to per, to kind of um, disseminate your social media message. Yeah. Jason and I were talking when we kicked off that there's a generation that doesn't even remember her. I was just thinking here, certainly in the United States, it is definitely a must-see. Thank you so much for coming by and Thanks for uh, talking with me. us about it. Yeah, the movie is The Kingmaker. It's out in theaters on November 8th and mm-hmm. will air on Showtime. 
time in 2020. Lauren Greenfield is the filmmaker. Again, the movie is called The Kingmaker. I'm going to pull it back to the, the magazine, too. It's all about the year ahead of Bloomberg Business Week, but it also talks about power, uh, whether it's in Washington, whether it's among the big tech companies right now. I mean, all of this is on everybody's radar, uh, certainly among politicians, among individuals. It's part of our conversation, big conversation, and rightfully so. <laughs> 